Hello, buddy. Welcome to First Show of the Week, Cow Daily. I am the internet, my cow, back again to talk the words. Hope you're doing well. Hope the weekend was good, if not bearable or better. Um, this, well, not this week, but this day, we're going to do um, Austerity as a Choice. We've seen a lot of um, the narrative developing like around austerity. And for those of us who remember um, austerity 1.0, for a lot of us, it never ended the effects of it, but we'll explore that later. We're seeing from um, both main parties either a commitment to austerity like in the Tories or a tacit commitment to it. And what I mean by tacit is an unspoken commitment to it, or sometimes even a spoken We'll explore this as we go on. But before we do, in the time on a tradition, if you could let me know that you're about um, in the comments, that would be absolutely top. Also, um, patreon.com forward slash cowdaily. That's patreon.com forward slash cowdaily if you want to support the advancement of this work and you want it to continue. Um, there's some podcasts there only available to patrons. One latest one would just stop oil. You're coming out later in the week. Um, and also access to the private chat forum, so get amongst it. Also, if you want to leave a one-off donation to support our work, PayPal link in the description. That'll be really appreciated. Right, onwards. Got a few clips in that for you today and bits of material. Um, this one in particular that I'm about to show you, though, I think is like I think is really important, and it's important because. The BBC are actually interrogating austerity or giving space to it anyway. The other side of it, of its importance, I feel, is I didn't see much of this energy when it was possible that a transformative Labour government would get in. And the watchwords there is transformative. But anyway, that's that. That's the BBC for you. This is interesting. And there's a lot of other interesting stuff as well. Um, but we'll go through this. We might stop it along the way and react. Really interested as to what you think of this particular clip. War good people. Read. Here we go. Mark, in response to today's growth figures, the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt warned there remained a substantial gap in the UK's public finances. And we're told this fiscal hole is why we need the eye-wateringly difficult decisions on tax and spending we're set to see in next week's autumn statement. But what actually is this fiscal hole? It's important to be clear about this. The first thing to stress is that there's not some kind of hard financial limit on government spending or borrowing, which if breached means disastrous things automatically happen. Happen. The whole is essentially a measure of how far off course the government is from meeting its own fiscal rule, which for this government has been to have the national debt falling as a share of the overall economy in three years' time, so 2025-2026. And look at this. This is the Office for Budget Responsibilities forecast for the national debt from March. It shows debt falling as a share of GDP in 2025-26, so the fiscal rule being met. But look at the more recent projections from the Institute for Fiscal Studies, the red line here. So debt is still rising in that year, so the fiscal rule is not being met. The fiscal hole is the extent to which taxes need to be raised or spending cut in that particular year for the rule to be met again. And it's apparently around 2% of GDP, roughly £50 billion. Now, there is choice involved here. The government could choose a different year in which to target falling debt. Indeed, Newsnight understands Jeremy Hunt will push the target back to five years rather than three years. 
He could also choose a different debt target entirely, perhaps one that carves out debt incurred for infrastructure investment. Some say he should. There's also uncertainty about the performance of the economy over that time. Growth could be stronger, meaning the size of the economy could be bigger, meaning a smaller fiscal hole. Alternatively, the opposite could happen. Yet some argue front-loaded spending cuts or tax rises risk harming the economy and thus proving counterproductive. These are entirely legitimate arguments, although the recent market panic when Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng cut taxes permanently without regard to fiscal rules shows the dangers of not having any mooring for the public finances. Let's also lift our eyes to the picture in other comparable countries with Newsnight's global tracker. How big is the fiscal hole elsewhere? Well, that, of course, depends on specific fiscal rules in other nations. Some have them, some don't. But we can get a rough sense from the recent projections of the International Monetary Fund. And what's striking is that the UK's projected deficit or annual borrowing in 2026 at 1.3% of GDP is smaller than most other G7 countries. As you can see, France and Italy are considerably higher, and the US is way out ahead with a 7% deficit projected. And look at the IMF's projections on G7 countries' debt as a share of GDP in 2026. Again, the UK is much lower than most, just over 70%. Here it's Japan, which towers over the rest at 262%. Now, the US may be a special case because of its dominant role in the global financial system. But Italy and France, if the UK has a fiscal hole that urgently needs to be filled, surely the same is true of them. Well, the Eurozone does have fiscal rules, which is for annual borrowing among member states to be no more than 3% of GDP and to aim to bring down national debt to no more than 60%. So it's pretty clear France and Italy do have substantial fiscal holes against this target, although those rules have been suspended until 2024. And the European Commission this week unveiled plans to relax those rules. So why then the scramble from the UK government to fill a fiscal hole that other peer economies seem much more relaxed about? Well, it all comes back to that market panic of the past month. Rightly or wrongly, the government feels and is certainly arguing that if it is to regain the confidence of the global financial markets, it has to show next week a clear plan for filling this fiscal hole and to take some painful near-term economies to achieve it, Mark. Interesting, eh? I found it interesting anyway. Like, you didn't really see much of this, like, over the past few years, strangely enough. Um, it's balanced, as the BBC has to be, and in some respects, rightly so, if that's in good faith. But what I'm saying is, it's like... the interrogation of austerity by the national broadcaster which let's face it didn't really happen to the level it, it should have done so anyway we're going to move on a little bit and look at some of the work of Richard Murphy I shall pull up soon Richard Murphy is um, a professor at Sheffield University and I think one of the founders of the Green New Deal um, so what he's saying is, Jeremy Hunt is saying we cannot max out the national credit card this morning. This is total nonsense. There is no national credit card. It's important to like not think, as Richard's pointing out here, that countries are like a business or like how we run our homes. Um, so it, it goes on, there is no national credit card. Instead, it's the job of government to make the money we use. And since it can always make that money, it can never max out on credit. Never. 
Richard goes on, Hunt wants you to believe that we max out the national credit card, but no government can do that because it's an organization unlike any other with its own bank, which means it has no credit limits. Instead, the question is, should it be creating more money for the common good now? Yes, pro tip, yes. Yes, they should. They should have been doing it a long time ago. Richard goes on, the answer to that is that of course the government should be creating more money right now when households have less to spend and when business investment is falling. So banks aren't lending and exports are knackered by Brexit. Only government spending can get us out of this recession. But Jeremy Hunt does not understand the macroeconomics of running a national economy. Instead, he pretends he's running a household or business. They can't max out the credit card without consequence, but governments don't have credit cards for a start. Richard says, no, do governments have credit limits? There are no rules that say that they should either. And many governments, government borrowings are a lot bigger than those the UK has. Instead, the role of government is to spend when no one else is able to do so to prevent the harm recession causes. Um, I mean, this is like fiscal stimulus 101, isn't it? Richard goes on, either Hunt does not understand this or he does and he is lying. I think it is the second option. Richard's basically saying he's a liar. He is. Why would he do that? To make things worse, of course, so he can crush the NHS and education and so prepare them for privatization at cost to us all. Here's how it is, good people. Um, obviously, um, if you've been watching or listening to the shows we've been putting together on a daily basis where we're trying to break aspects of this down, we're doing this daily because it's so wide ranging. We're finding like weekly, it's just we can't cover it and we can't stay abreast of what's happening because I've thrown so many dead cats on the table to distract us. The fact remains that austerity is a choice. It's clearly evidentially and economically a choice. So who's choosing it? Well, it's not just the Tories. Um, Labour's doing that whole non-committal thing that they do by like not really saying much but saying a lot. Here's Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves on Laura Kunzberg yesterday morning. But do you accept, Rachel Reeves, that if you became Chancellor tomorrow or if you're lucky enough to win the next election, do you accept as Chancellor you also would have to rein in public spending and put taxes up? Well, I've already set out some of those tax changes that an incoming Labour government would make. I do recognise that an incoming Labour government will not be able to do everything that we want as quickly as possible. Well, it's just more of that getting the excuses in early. If you want to know more about that, go to an episode from last week or the week before. I can't remember. Labour getting the excuses in early. There's also a folder, should I vote for the Labour Party? This show will be going in there as well. Um, reason I'm bringing Labour into it is because we should, because they're official party of the opposition for one, and they should be providing just that opposition. But when you look back at Ed Miliband's leadership 2015, he didn't oppose austerity either. Like they went along with that at the time in some kind of like, let's just try and sneak in and get elected. And they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Fast forward to 2017, a party stood on an anti-austerity agenda run by Jeremy Corbyn, Labour, same party, kind of felt very different to a lot of us though, and um, was 2,773 votes spread over six constituencies away from getting elected and Jeremy Corbyn being in a position where he could become Prime Minister and former government in coalition. Those are just evidential facts. 
as much as the repeaters and the detractors try and say otherwise, that's just a fact. Go and look at the Independent article, another analysis that's been done since. Help yourselves. Do whatever you want to do. What else about Rachel Reeves? Well, we need to know who we're dealing with and, and what they've been saying. So we'll go back to that time. Here she is in 2015. Anger after Reeves tells benefit claimants, Labour is not for you. What else we got on her? From The Independent, 17th of March 2015. Rachel Reeves says Labour does not want to represent people out of work. Labour are a party of working people, form for and by working people. So before we see more from that, right? How does that work? Because if you lose your job today, right, Labour's not the party for you. But if you had a job yesterday, oh, it's the party for you. This is clearly playing to that kind of, I'll work, I'll do, me, like, people who define themselves by, like, going to work every day. Um, and people within Labour and the Tories play up to this hard-working British person. Yeah, man, I'm working class. Most people sit around with a finger up the arse. And if we're looking at um, a lot of office jobs, most of them are bullshit and they mean nothing. Like, a lot of these jobs, don't, like, we're, what we really need is a reevaluation of jobs and what the jobs are. Because from what I can tell, we're at this point in history now, particularly with austerity having exacerbated it, that a lot of the jobs, as revealed by the pandemic, who people are going around saying are all important, are not important at all. The people who are important are key workers. And that's what this austerity agenda affects. Look at Ed Miliband. Um, he was asked whether he supports the nurses' strike. And it's this consistent line from Labour, I will support the right to strike and, and, and um, better employment rights, but we don't support this, this particular strike. It's the wrong time. The Yemen have been saying this, the same people, since 2050, or like since 2010. Like that seems to be like what Labour are about. I mean, they've been saying it since the Blair actually. So go, go back as far as you want. The 60s, the Labour Party, like we can talk about the NHS and all that, great things that came in. But a lot of that was down to people like my granddad and his generation, like forcing that to happen. The Labour Party, um, I would suggest, has never fully been the party of the people. And I would suggest that based on actual evidence rather than some this is my opinion bullshit. But anyway, back to Reeves. What, what else has she, she been doing? Uh, another one from that time. Labour will be tougher than Tories on benefits, promises new welfare chief. Rachel Reeves vows to cut welfare bill and force long-term jobless to take work offers or lose state support. So riddle me this, right? Labour get in, the squeak in, and the, the might just do that. We don't know yet. I mean, well, they might just not as well, which will be funny, but, you know, we'll take Pyrrhic victories and laughter whenever we can. Um, they are not going to do anything for anybody other than attack them if you end up on the dole. During austerity, it's much more likely that people will end up on the dole. So these people who are supposed to, or at least have marketed themselves over the years as the party of the people and whatever, are absolutely not that. They're the party of their donors. And if you want to know about the NHS specifically, as Richard Murphy, Professor of Economics, just pointed out, this is a prelude to privatization. Wes Streeton, the Shadow Health Secretary, funded by private health care. Starmer, funded by private health care. Look it up or go to our Should You Vote Labour file, um, file playlist. Labour files, that's stuck in your brain. 
Go and watch that as well um, on Al Jazeera English on YouTube. Still there. Please do. Go to our playlist on our YouTube channel, Should I Vote Labour? All of the stuff's in there. Make a decision. If you still want to after that, then, you know, you don't like evidence or something. I'm really not sure what it is. Jeremy, start a new party for fuck's sake, my money. Right. What else is here? Check this out, man. This is from Jim Pickard on Twitter. Um, Would a Labour government succumb to union pressure to give public sector workers inflation match and pay rises of 10%? Brutally no. So this is from the Financial Times. But what would be the biggest priorities for an incoming Starmer government? Labour would borrow an extra £28 billion a year for capital investment, Rainer points out. Elsewhere, there will be fiscal restraint. Would a Labour government succumb to union pressure to give public sector workers inflation match and pay rises of 10%? Brutally no. But we would strengthen the unions and have good employment rights. Here. You can't. You can't. Right? If you won't give people pay rises, which match or exceed inflation, then you are tacitly visiting austerity upon them, no matter what else you do or say. So Labour are out. They're a busted flush for working people. If you don't want to listen to me, here's what Big Mix got to say. Are you a Democrat? Are you on the side of the workers in 2022 and 2023? That is how history is going to judge you. Where were you during this wave of disputes? Where were you when the trade union movement revived itself and found its identity? Were you with us or were you against us or were you trying to sit on the sideline waiting for opportunity? There are no neutrals in these struggles. Spot on, Big Mick Lynch. No new, there's no neutrals in the struggle. You can't tinker around the edges when, I mean, look, we've had 12 years of austerity and it continues. And some communities are more affected by other, than others. Generally, we're in class communities, strangely enough, right? So it is a case of which side you are on at this point. Are you on the side of the workers and the people who have been thrust into poverty over the last 12 years and continue to be? when there's no government intervention and no opposition to speak of. That's the establishment. That's the us and them here. The Labour Party and the Tories are the establishment, evidentially so. And we're not. So are you on their side or are you on our side? Because the evidence is clear and it's awful to have to get to this us and them bit, but Big Mick points it out for himself. Simple as that, isn't it? Um, let's take some comments before we take some more background from the Osborne era. So what, what are you saying? What are you saying? Right, just scrolling back. <laughs> this is cool. Big 62, boom one. They could plug most of the hole with Dido Harden's bank balance. <laughs> Class. John O.C., the right one want Britain to be a business so they can sack half of us and have us escorted out with our stuff in a box. They seem to get a kick out of it, like that type of person. Right. Jacqueline Hemmons, the government are going to need to spend to sort out the climate breakdown. They can't avoid it. And the longer they leave it, the more expensive it's going to be. Quite right, it is. The effects of it, like, are massive. And we see we see a lot of it in, now in terms of migration. A lot of this so-called economic migration is down to climate change. 
Um, walls and fences, though, appear to be um, Labour and the Tories' uh, response to this, when it should be open arms and a recognition that we're, we're citizens of the globe and brothers and sisters are starving because crops are failing and they're trying to have a better life. And you, anybody watching or listening to this, anybody would do the same. Anybody would flee war just the same by the same token, too. So, what else we got here? Kirsty Smith, as a person with multiple health issues, I find the rhetoric really insulting. I went to a funeral and all that was said about the person who passed was a list of jobs he had through his life. How sad is that? It really is, and I, I, I see this quite a lot. Like at funerals, it seems to be this: like, oh, this is what they did. It's what they did for a living. What was the content of their character and how nice were they as a person and what good did they do with other people, isn't it? It's like, why are we allowing ourselves to be defined by our jobs? Like, that's us doing it and us buying into that and us feeding into this system too. A lot of the jobs that we do are fucking bullshit. Like, I've done them myself. That's shite. The, the, the make no difference really to the running of the society. And as I said, during the pandemic, it exposed how much of a platform of shite our whole society is built on and the way people talk about it. It seems to be some kind of place for people who are addicted to middle management to kind of like brush up their egos or something. I mean, look at this rush to get people to come back into the office from work from home when it's actually better for the business proven if people have options. That isn't about like the, the staff. That's about management because guess what? There's nothing other than like one-to-ones or whatever that you're needed for. Most days anyway. And I should know, I was middle management for a long time. Bullshit, total shite. So anyway, Bob Grady, we need a proper work-life balance, and part of that is basic income payments. Wow, Bob Grady on point once again. Absolutely spot on. Uh, one more. Come here. StreamYard playing a, playing a mad thing again. Here we go. Jacqueline Hemmons. Universal credit claimant are expected to spend a certain amount of hours a week looking and training for work, so they'll still be giving up a large proportion of their time in exchange for very little reward. Indeed. Right. bit of background, because... Um, it's, I mean, it's virtually impossible to like keep up with a lot of this stuff and also um, understand what was being said, which is very similar to what's being said now. This was nine years ago, and this was George Osborne. Very interesting, your thoughts in the comments. Councillor managed a smile as he left the Treasury this morning, but there wouldn't be much to joke about in the message he was about to deliver to the country. Are we facing more austerity, Prime Minister? The Prime Minister wasn't giving the game away, but the answer to the question is unfortunately yes. Austerity, that bleak scenario, with us not just until 2015, but for another three years on top of that. The Chancellor had the unenviable task of trying to give that a positive sheen. People know that there are no quick fixes to these problems. But they want to know that we are making progress. And the message from today's autumn statement is that we are making progress. It is a hard road, but we're getting there.
forced a pause because of all the jeering. He then had to announce that the government would miss one of its own fiscal targets. In short, the tougher economic conditions mean that while our deficit is forecast to go on falling, instead of taking three years to get our debt falling, it's going to take four. After the chaos of the budget in March, the Chancellor needed to choose his targets carefully. Many tax loopholes will be closed and pension relief for the better off cut. From 2014-15, I will further reduce the lifetime allowance from £1.5 million to £1.25 million and reduce the annual allowance from £50,000 to £40,000. This will reduce the cost of tax relief to the public purse by an extra billion pounds a year by 2016-17. As for benefits, they'll be capped well below inflation. But most working-age benefits, including job seekers allowance, employment and support allowance and income support, will be uprated by 1% for the next three years. There will be no rise in fuel duty in January, but that wasn't what the opposition seized on. Today, after two and a half years, we can see and people can feel in the country the true scale of this government's economic failure. It wasn't the statement the Chancellor hoped to deliver. It wasn't what the country wanted to hear. If the winter was feeling pretty bleak already, it just got rather bleaker. Romilly Weeks, ITV News, Westminster. So it just got rather bleaker. That was nine years ago. We've had nine more years of this shit. Nine. How many jobs have been lost? I mean, like on a personal level, um, I link austerity to at least the death of two friends, like the things that um, happened in their lives. I could have easily been one of them. The community work sector was absolutely defunded. And we all know why. It wasn't just austerity. It was the fact that um, the type of people who were in those jobs were the type of people who were pointing out like what the problems were um, and they couldn't possibly have um, young people, particularly ones who'd been shut out of um, the school system, being given answers or more to the point asked how they felt and then skills development and whatnot. So like, it's not easy when your chances of employment are at least um, working on projects and whatever are greatly reduced. And then the competition is hugely more like that's not, how things are and guess what youth work can never really be self-sustaining can it because you can't run it like a business it needs central funding that's just one of huge amounts of um defunding that went on i mean newcastle council now is one example is a complete husk people blame councils for that people don't understand how austerity works or how money's distributed a lot of you will though but for those who don't as a block grant comes down from central government and they get, decide based on certain calculations what each area should get. Um, as we've seen recently, as inside, Rishi Sunak standing up um, in front of his base, um, old Tories, and a part of his leadership um, campaign, which he got beat off Liz Truss, that he changed the calculations when he was a shadow chancellor and dumped more money into affluent areas and, and took this, even more of that smaller part away from working class communities. Um, it's annoying, but I'm trying not to get as angry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what else. What else is I saying here? Um, 
John was saying, if it's permanent, then it's not austerity. It's just how the establishment want things to be. Quite. The establishment being Labour and the Tories. <sighs> Mad. Mark's in. Hello, Mark. When people mention the national debt, ask them who we owe the debt to. Indeed. Absolutely spot on, my friend. And so, just it's, it is absolutely mad, isn't it? Mad. What these people like think. I think it's a measure of like how out of touch a lot of like Tory and Labour politicians are that they think people can make any more household cuts because that's what it cascades down into. We can't, newsflash. It's going to tear society apart if this keeps going on. And there's no amount of people fleeing climate change and war that you can continue to blame. I mean, if you've seen what Yvette Cooper has been coming out with today in the New Statesman, unbelievable in terms of like, um, we're going to crack down on migrant boats and all that. How about understanding the issues and working on that basis and trying to conflate this all with like criminal gangs? Yeah, it's a part of the problem, but it's by no means the whole problem. The whole problem is um, governments around the world like, this one and oppositions just not doing anything other than trying to get elected. So solutions. Um, clearly, we need a new party. It's so obvious, isn't it? And I hope to God that happens soon. An anti-austerity party would make everybody have to tack to the left because it's an open goal. We're two yards off the off the goal line. Just got to tap it in, man. And you know I'm talking to. We've just got to tap this in. Doesn't mean we'd get like elected everywhere, but I guarantee it'll expose these these arguments in this narrow range, narrow range of opinion that seems to be deemed acceptable. Let's do it, man. Also, one thing we can do, which is happening, support the strikes, support the RMT. You can I bought some merchandise off their website. Dead cheap for the cap, actually, but. Um, keeps me head warm. It's a nice thick one for the winter. And I've got knee hair. Um, posties. Um, got my pal coming on. It was a union rep uh, next week. Big up pickers. He's coming on. Um, nurses, massive one. We've got to defend the NHS. It's not like they aren't fights to have. And you look at what's happened with the Dockers in Liverpool. They just got a 14% pay rise because they refused to back down. So guess what? Stand shoulder to shoulder with other people who share our, our same interest support the strikes because all boats rise with the tide thanks for being here once again um you people give us a lot of hope seriously and i hope between we're, we can continue to um make that better make that more raise the hope because it's got to start somewhere hasn't it so for me personally on a personal level turning up here and chatting with you good people every day and trying to work this out in real time because that's what this is. Um, it's one of the best things in my life. So thank you. Um, hope's important and you bring it. So have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>